Welcome to Zila Food. Zila is the German word for soul, so soul food, but Zila food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zila Magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Forti, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed, so let's begin. So Rebecca Mazai, an awesome contributor to Zela, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Lara Taganavalu, known as Lara Tag's One Recent Saturday Morning. Uh, Lara is the daughter of Brian and Bobby Houston, the founders of Hillsong Church, a church that touches every continent except Antarctica, in numerous cities with several services uh, in each city each Sunday, not to mention all of the programs and ministries that Hillsong has. Uh, so three, between three continents, Australia, uh, North America, and Europe, um, I was in Paris, Laura was in Sydney, and Rebecca was in Vancouver, uh, spread out over three different time zones. The three of us chatted for an hour about biblical womanhood, music, knowing to run from a bad relationship, her, Lara's initiative, The Secret Garden, this space designed to reach and inspire young women by compelling them to dig deeper into the things that consume their hearts. We talked about social media. We talked about people feeling hurt by the church and who opt to stay home. We talked about how she handles Uh, and how she handles and has handled criticism from those around the world who are critical of Hillsong Church and uh, just sitting at the feet of Jesus and what that means. It was like this awesome packed hour where the three of us just poured into each other. Uh, Laura and her husband, Peter, are global pastors of Hillsong's young and free, and they're also very prolific speakers. I've had the pleasure of hearing them both speak from the stage, and they're really gifted in that, and it's rooted in a love for the Lord and sharing the Lord with this generation that God has put them in, and together they pastor the youth ministry for Hillsong Church. Uh, They're passionate about seeing a young and free movement rise up across the earth and finding true life and joy and freedom uh, through knowing Christ. They want people to know Christ. And um, yeah, as well as youth pastoring, they seek to give a voice to this generation by leading uh, Hillsong's young and free worship team which is a collective of young people using their God-given talents to glorify God. So um, this is really an an awesome packed 
chat, like this round table discussion that we had with Lara. Um, Lara is mama to Willow, Jack, and her new baby, Lola Monday. Uh, the two older ones, you'll hear them running around in the background. And uh, it's nice, uh, it's a nice sound of motherhood and family in the background of our um, discussion. So be revived with the three, uh, with our three English speaking accents and be encouraged. Uh, Lara really poured in with her time and her wisdom. And I'm really grateful that she was able to join the podcast. So uh, be encouraged. <laughs> Women have a, a different set of goals in 2020 than they did, I would say, 100 years ago in 1920. And we're working, trying to reach goals in our career, starting businesses, traveling more, marrying later, having fewer kids, and, uh, st or starting a family later. Uh, and like your thoughts, how do we as women find balance in career, marriage, children, and friendships? Um, okay, good questions. Well, um, first of all, I probably am not your typical 2020 girl because I started very young I met my husband when um, we were just kids um, and uh, we started dating when I was 19 he was 20 and then we got married when I was 21 and he was 22 and then started having kids at 23 so I feel like uh, I got a little bit of a um, I guess a head start on things but um, yeah but um, but for me I think I always, I've always felt like I just wanted to uh, do it all. And I always have kind of tried to do everything that's within my hand and within my heart to do. And I feel like if you're passionate and you have a sense of purpose about what you do, then you find ways and you get inventive to make things work. <laughs> and so, um, and so from, from the, uh, in the beginning, I think, you know, I was trying to like give equal amounts of attention to 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 most things. Um, now, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've realized that you can't really you can't really do that. Like you're never going to be able to give like you know um, you know the equal amount of attention to um, work as you do your family or, or whatever. But I just find that if I'm present wherever I'm at in the moment that's how I'm most effective and so for me if I'm like if I'm with my kids then I'm just going to choose to be there 100% if I'm uh, in a meeting then I'm going to choose to be there 100% as I'm on this call I'm going to try my best mm -hmm. to be in this moment as best I can and that's how I feel like you are you can be most effective uh, in this day and age when as women we're trying to do and have it all yeah yeah, that's really some good advice to be present wherever you are. Um, yeah. Yeah, and to give it a, your all when you're when you are there. I love that. Yeah. I especially love that you said you you make it a point to be inventive. Yeah. Yeah, I think so because um, I think I think it it takes creativity to to make all the pieces 
work and come together and sometimes you have to actually switch on your mind and I think that's what women do so well actually is that I think we make we tend to make things that are quite complicated I think we we tend to make things look simple in a way Mm. Um, and I think it's it's part of how God created us and I think that's why God created us with um, you know so much so much more like uh, capacity to do things like um, you know uh, you know have children and like and and yet um, you know do things that are worthwhile in our careers or whatever it might be so I think um, yeah I think that we I think that we just have been waiting for permission Mm -hmm. uh, really that's all it is (laughs) yeah to be able to do that yeah yeah it's something how us women feel we have to get permission first before we can can move into a thing men don't seem to struggle in the same way yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the times, they are definitely changing. And, you know, you, I just see strong women rising up. And for me, you know, it's, for me, that that was never even, um, you know, it wasn't really a foreign concept for me personally, because I've grown up in an environment where women have been so empowered. And there's always been women who have, you know, held key leadership positions and, right. um you know, while having family and while uh, having children and, and raising kids up and and just they, I've had so many role models in that sense that um that for me it just it it didn't feel like this like crazy thing you know um I guess I've never felt that sense of oppression as a woman um you know I I feel the challenges now as mm-hmm. I grow older and I have more responsibility. Um, but yeah, it's cool that for me, you know, I've just, you know, I've had so many women who are further along in the journey, like my mom and like other, other women in our church and so on who have, um, really paved the way. I can't like your mom having her children and then building up Hillsong. That must've been like a sight to see. And then that's all, you know. Uh, and you just go, went out there and did that for your own life. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. Um, I, I think it's a mix when I look at women in the church today. Either some will are, are still doing the career thing and just blazing <clears throat> through, <clears throat> excuse me, or some will will kind of step back from career and all the things that they were doing before they um yeah got got a family or got married so i guess it might just it depends on the woman but i think it's yeah it's possible to do it all at different times in your life and just try to present as you can and what you're doing that's right and i guess i think it comes down to again like your personal conviction um and your sense of purpose and um your passion for it I think that it has to be personal and it has to be something that you really feel from the inside that's going to fuel you to do what you need to do and if you don't if you don't have that I was talking to a um a really beautiful friend of mine who's a guy and he's married to this incredible woman who you know she's been raising their kids and 
that's been her life for the last 10 years and 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 he was saying of her that she's had this little like almost like this little crisis in her life where she just has felt like oh maybe she should have done more like maybe she should have had this little side hustle going on and this little business thing because that's what everybody else is doing um <clears throat> but I think that we need to like we can't really put the same you know the same thing that I have I can't put that expectation on on other women I think we're all just doing our own thing we're all you know running our own race and I think if you keep your eyes in your lane and don't you know cheer each other on in one another's lane but don't we don't have to be running the same race um it looks differently for for everybody and you know I think my my friends who have chosen to be full-time mom um in you know over the last few years like I mean that's amazing and I I think that's the most like difficult job in the world the hardest job in the world for sure so I just think I think everybody and every woman is is incredible yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, just doing what God's will for your life, and then uh, you'll you'll be right. fine. Yeah. Okay, Rebecca, yeah. pass it to you for the next question. Um, thanks, Ellie. So, Laura, I recently read about the vision in which Hillsong was birthed, and I read that Hillsong was uniquely birthed through a concept that music should be the collective that joins people of all demographics together. And I thought, what a powerful vision. And from someone who's been impacted by worship and I've been involved in worship ministry, I was really taken by the fact that music is the common language that speaks to every heart. Um, And to see how it unfolded uniquely for Hillsong, whereby God has literally exposed the sound waves of different styles of music to the nations is even more powerful. So can you explain to us how you continued that vision and implemented it to the young and free generation that you and your husband pioneered? Yeah, um, well... That's it. I mean, music is so powerful. And I think, you know, our church has been um, around now, Hillsong Church, for the last probably 35 years or plus. And, um, and right from the outset, you know, music and praise and worship has been such a huge part of the vision and the mandate upon our church. And it's really like, it's like an anointing. It's a mantle that's upon our house to, to create praise and worship that would um you know bless the body of Christ and it's it's by the grace of God for sure and so for my husband and I when we became youth pastors about uh close to a decade ago now um (laughs) I know I'm getting old um (laughs) um, like wine you're getting finer with time that's what my mom amen Amen. Uh, no, um, when we, yeah, when we started out as, as youth pastors, we just, we really sensed like God was stirring something within us that he wanted to do something new amongst our youth and amongst our young people and that he wanted to give, you know, our, our um, their own sense of identity. Um, um, as you guys probably know, like a huge part of our, of our church um, and our, music our praise and worship has been Hillsong United which yeah. was birthed out of our youth ministry and 
and um, and for a long time that was the identity of our youth. But but at the time that we took over, really those guys had evolved past our youth. They weren't you know necessarily attending youth on a on our Friday nights when we hold our, our programs, and they were traveling the world and just making waves across the earth. It's so incredible what what's taken place with with Southland United. Um, and so we really sense like God was saying, you know, I'm doing something new. It's not what's been done before. It's not going to look like what's been done before. It's not going to sound like what's been done before. And to us, it's a little bit of a no brainer. Like we know like God has placed this mantle upon our church and it's not an anointing that's just with one person. It's a, it's upon the house. Um, it's, a, it's upon the church. And so, um, you know, we knew that music is such a big part of it. And so um, so the first thing was, okay, we're going to give this this thing, our youth, a name. And at the time, Young and Free was just like a, a theme that we had, had um, you know, over our year. Um, but it just kind of became like the, the name of our, our youth ministry. And, um, and then we put the call out for, you know, just, you know, our regular young people who were just serving um, at our youth programs and you know at the time we didn't really realize just how special the gifting and the talent that was upon them um, but God just totally breathed his spirit upon it and um, and it's amazing that you know when God is on it and when he breathes on something the right people rise up um, yeah. and we've just found that you know, God has surrounded us with these incredible young people who not only are extremely gifted and talented, but they really love Jesus mm-hmm. and they live to serve him and serve young people. And and um, and so it's been probably a six, seven year journey now of young and free, um, kind of, to be honest, filling a bit of a gap. Um, because, you know, I, when I looked out there, a few years ago, I, I realized there wasn't actually much to offer young people uh, within the church, um, which is really surprising, but there was a gap there. And so so um, I, I was even saying to our, our team yesterday, like, we can't underestimate the, the responsibility that we have um, and the platform that we have to be a voice for young people um, within the body of Christ. Uh, upon the earth right now it's a huge huge honor um and it and it's and it's really like this um you know this this oh, it's almost like it's like a burden but what I feel like is like the burden is light you know it's like this thing that God's just kind of like he's like this his spirit's breathing upon it and we can't explain what's happening but it's really exciting and we just we love that we're a part of it that is so amazing. And it's so encouraging to hear really just the response is um, it's great because it's that one step of obedience. It was that heaviness within your spirit that you had, but then the obedience is what you carried out. And this is essentially what was birthed with, you know, steps of faith um, and to see how it's just been expanded because God's hand was in it is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And for us, you know, we know these young people, you know, we know like that they're just these regular kids who have grown up in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they can put pen to paper and out of their spirit, you know, 
write these songs that are now, you know, resonating across the earth and that seem like, you know, are, um, you know, that, that, that young people seem to um, be really receptive of it. It's just, it's mind blowing to us. Like it can only be God, you know? Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I would say um, the youth can be often one of the most forgotten groups in in the world, or you know, in a church, in a group, uh, and we forget that they have needs and they need ministry too. But they also have so much to give. And I spent six months in London in 2017, and I was going to Hillsong London. And I was amazed what Dan Blythe and Charlie Blythe have built up. I never seen a youth program like that. Although I went to the largest church, I grew up in the largest church in South Carolina and there was a sizable youth department, but I was amazed at how they really get in there. And all that's coming from the leadership of, of Kathy Clark and Gary. And then that's coming from your parents uh, and their leaders. Right. And uh, I, I've been living the last year and a half in Lebanon, working with Syrian refugees and going out into the camps and with like a Christian organization, Horizon International. They try and, and put a little program together, but you've got two-year-olds to teenagers and you can't mix them together, mm -hmm. but you know, you do what you can with what you have and seeing the young yeah. teenage boys yeah, they're not wanting to stand there doing music time. And then Syrian refu refugees just have a host of problems anyways. They've never sat in a classroom. There's discipline area uh, issues, and I'm trying to talk to them and language barriers. But I messaged Dan Blythe, um, and I said, Dan, what you have for your young men, I, I, I wish you could know how blessed your young men in London are because there are some young men who are youth age walking around in parts of the world who don't have male men to look up to, godly men to look up to. And I just wish that for these refugees or for poor young youth men around the world, because uh, young youth men and the women, they need the men need, uh, the, the kids need men to look up to and the girls need women to look up to. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm just, I, I immediately thought of Hillsong London, of what right. they do with young and free, because it's amazing. Um, when you get in there and start working with youth, it, it can transform their lives and God can do amazing things. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I've realized that every living soul really wants the same thing. They want to have value placed upon them. They want to be encouraged. They want a sense of belonging. Um, they want to feel safe and like they are a part of something greater than themselves. And so no matter where you are, whether you're in Sydney or in the USA or in Europe or, you know, in Syria my goodness like I feel like I feel like really at the end of the day like that like your secret weapon is the fact that you can like speak life into people and speak encouragement into people and you're, they're always going to respond to that yeah. yeah that's true when they have the right leadership 
but that's me. Yeah. Um, okay, so jumping back uh, about to, to like godly women, uh, a question I've got, and I've, I've struggled with this myself. Any thoughts for the godly woman who thinks she's more effective being single, thinking that a husband or children can hold her back? I, I feel like women, whatever path they choose or that, you know, they find themselves in, um, I think you can be effective wherever you, wherever you are. Um, and so, you know, in terms of like, you know, whether they're choosing that because they think that they're going to be more effective there, then I think that's really the element's own choice and there's no judgment for me in, in, in that. I think it just, like I said, I think it just comes down to your personal conviction and, and wherever you find yourself. And, um, you know, I never, I, I always, I always feel like, um, you know, when I'm talking to single girls mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I want to encourage them, like, just don't wait, like, don't wait until, you know, you feel like, you know, you found, find, you know, the man that you're supposed to marry and you start a family and that's when life begins. It's just not the way that it is. Like, I think that, that God like has, has so much for us, um, you know, in every season, including when, when you're single and I think make the most of it, you know, there's so many things that, there's so many things that in reality I would love to be doing, but I just, I don't. And because I, I just can't like practically I can't because mm -hmm. I have, I have a family and that's part of, you know, my priority. Um, and I'm not, complaining about it it's just the reality you know right now we have our young and free team who are traveling and they're on the road and they're doing amazing things and I'm not I'm not with them I'm at home because I'm choosing to be with my family whereas if I didn't have my family that's where I would be and yeah. I try not to think that way but I think I just think like if you're in that season of being single then make the most of it you know there's this lyric in one of our songs um that my brother wrote actually and it says, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. Mm -hmm. And I just love that because I think, yeah, like, yeah, maybe you have, you see yourself with a husband and with kids and with a family in the future or, you know, whether it's your career that, it, you know, you haven't really, you know, found yourself in yet, but it's, but it's in the future. Like, while you're waiting for that, just choose, I'm not actually going to wait. I'm going to make the most of, of where I'm at right now. And, and as you do that, like along the way, like all of a sudden God brings the right pieces, pieces together. Um, and then, but you know, if a woman chooses that that's the way that she wants to be, that she wants to be single and she wants to make the most of, you know, whether it's study or career or whatever, then that, that's her choice, I think. So, and that's her prerogative as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the, if I guess marriage is meant and family is meant for someone, then God will prepare their hearts for that. And yeah. And yeah. And I think there's enough women, there's enough women who are kicking goals, who have families and have strong marriages and so on uh, for us, you know, for others to look towards and go, oh, it is possible, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Wonderful. Okay, Rebecca, on to you. Uh, well, my question has to do with social media. Um, and so social media is a challenge for women, but for all people, really. 
um, because mm-hmm. it breeds comparison and jealousy yeah. and unhappiness. So any advice on how we should be thinking of social media um, to be used as a tool instead of being subjugated by it? Because I really think that this has become um, a very dominant issue in society. I mean, yeah, you only have to look at the the stats and have a conversation with your friends and your family to realize that it has a huge impact on mental health on your soul on um even you know we talked about talked before about being present with the ones that you love like like it's just a competing factor for so many for so many people and in so many various ways Mm -hmm. um i think that when it comes to social media it's it's not the enemy because it's just it's part of the world that we live in and so I think, you know, as, as soon as we try and kick back or fight against it, we're becoming um, irrelevant because it's just, it is what it is. It's part of our culture. And so we can't, I feel like we can't treat it as, as the enemy. We have to just learn how to use it with wisdom. Um, and so, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is just you know, being aware Um I think being self-aware is is really important. I know for for myself, um, I know that you know if I feel like you know there's a certain certain accounts that are gonna you know trigger that sense of comparison or um, or if you know there are things that I just feel like are depleting to my soul and my my internal being, then I just feel like you have to draw the line. And make some choices and realize that it's actually not worth it. It's not worth it for your soul's um, health and well-being. And um, I'm all for, like, it actually has a, a detrimental, um, you know, impact on, on who you are and your well-being. Then I'm all for just saying, you know what, just get off it. Like, it's, it, you don't have to be on social media. Yeah. It's you know, it's not a requirement um, for us to, to do it. And I, I know that there's some people who have, you know, they've had to really battle things like depression and anxiety and so on. And that social media has such a massive part in that. And they've just had to get rid of it or, you know, even if it's not permanently, but for a time being, they just have to get rid of it. And I'm all for it. I think, you know, do what you need to do. Um but I think if we can learn, you know, as a church leaders um, to use it to inspire others and to encourage others, mm-hmm. um, then then I think that's us being good stewards of, of, you know, this world that we live in and how it's progressing. Um, you know, even with our kids, you know, my daughter is nine mm-hmm. and she's just started to show interest in, you know, Instagram and TikTok and so on. And she doesn't really have accounts yet. But, you know, I'm thinking now, I'm in a position where I'm thinking, hey, how am I going to raise my daughter right. in this world that we're living in? And how am I going to how am I going to um, resource her with the type of wisdom that she will need to navigate, you know, a social media world? And um, and I think that's, that's the things that we need to think through. Um, especially for the next generation. Um, And I love that, like, for us in Australia, I think it's the same in Canada. Um, 
that they've taken away uh, the the amount of likes, so you can't see um, you can't see how many likes a photo gets on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's really encouraging that you know that that Instagram would do that because I remember when I was in high school, you know, you know, thinking like, do people like me? Like, without there being like an actual you know, metric system that's actually like literally saying this is how many people like you, this is how many people follow you, you know what I mean? Like that was, you know, <laughs> you know it's crazy. And no, then you know, to think of the pettiness people. behind that too, it's just like really totally. how petty are we becoming? <laughs> yeah, uh, totally. So for me, I'm like, I'm encouraged that like at least, you know, the, the creators and people who are running these these huge you know networks are at least you know putting some things that are hopefully going to help our kids in the future <laughs> yeah you know and I'm even an advocate for um I you know made the decision to really take a step back from social media so there was about a period of three months where um I, I wasn't posting anything, I wasn't going on there, wasn't reading anything, only because I just, I wanted to refocus my prayer life and my devotional life, and I felt like social yeah. media was a distraction. And then when yeah. I slowly started to reintroduce it, I just realized that my perspective had completely changed. And I was really starting to second guess, you know, well, why am I going to post this? What does it lend mm. itself? And what kind of yeah. messaging is it going to lend? And so now my whole thought process is if it's not going to edify, if it's not going to encourage, and if it's, if it's going to, you know, perhaps bring someone low in spirit, then forget it. I'm not mm. even going to bother posting it. Um, wow. So yeah, just yeah. those kinds of thoughts that I'm just really trying to be super intentional about what I post. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that's that's what I want to try yeah. and implement with young girls, especially because I feel like there there's like this threat against comparison constantly with mm -hmm. them. Yeah, totally. And you know, as a as a youth pastor, I'm like around teenage girls and, and young adults um, a lot. Sorry, my kids are in the background. I don't oh, know what they're worry. doing. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, but one thing mm -hmm. I've realized is that they, they tend to not be as uh, consumed or concerned by social media um, than, than I am. Um, and I think, you know, I read about this. I think it's because uh, they are what, are called um, digital natives so mm -hmm. they have been born into this world where they don't know anything different like this is just the world that they live in it's their it's their normal whereas for us like it's because it's been introduced and we remember what life was like before it um mm -hmm. we find ourselves more you know like just more conscious I guess um of it and so um but I just find like with these with these young girls like they don't they don't post very much um you know they're they're on it but they're not like uh consumed by it which is really encouraging um yeah. i think so so i think you know if we can keep on just um you know 
pointing people towards Jesus and, and, you know, encouraging things. Like I, I just have been thinking, you know, in, in line with what you were saying before about the power of just quiet time. You know, mm. I remember being a young person and, um, and having youth leaders in my life who just said, Oh, how are your quiet times going? And I, that was a question that I, I would get asked regu- on a regular basis. And it would, it would encourage me to have that time where I would shut off from everything else so that I could hear the voice of God and I could <laughs> read the word and I could see in prayer and so on. And I, I've just been like reminded like that's something that I need to, to encourage in this next generation is like, actually, are you shutting off from the noise? Like how, it, how is your quiet time? Like let's not underestimate the power of peace and yeah. quiet and how God, you know, how God speaks to us in those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Being a fashion journalist and a a whole week of fashion shows are getting ready to start up. And it can be exciting that you're at the Valentino or Dior show and then you've got this 18-year-old or 16-year-old influencer in front of you and the cameras are ticking off. And I think um, for the influencer that's whether they're 18 or closer to my age in their 30s especially closer to my age like what you were saying before it can mess with your head that you're yeah. in this rat race and how many likes did i get and it it can really just mm-hmm. affect you and um it's very important not to get caught up into that because mm-hmm. that's yeah. the worldliness of it and um yeah it's it's a hard thing to do, but then we have to get to, to the quiet time to quiet our minds when we start sharing. Yeah. And if your job is in that entertainment industry, it's you have to have a lot of quiet times. <laughs> and you know what? I, I genuinely don't know many girls who are in that industry, especially influencers on social media. Um, who are like, um, who don't struggle with those things. You yeah. know, it's, it's such a interesting world to be a part of because, you know, according to their pictures, they're getting, you know, they're in all the great, great places and they're getting the best of the best. And they've got, you know, um, the, the, the best labels that they're wearing and they're endorsing and all these things all these perks and so on but you know I think it's exhausting for them um and it just goes to show that really all the temporary things just don't do it (laughs) yeah it's true yeah they definitely don't okay um yeah moving on um I've recently had conversations with Christians from Lebanon to African nations and in the West that people are feeling the church is starting to feel more like a business and not really there to help people in their burdens and that they don't feel the church is looking like the church in Acts uh, and that it's not like a family and some are starting to stay home, um, which I, I find quite sad and they're staying away from mm-hmm. church community. Any advice on how to tackle this issue where you're chatting with your friends and they've started staying home from church because they feel this way? Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously are a part of a really large charismatic uh, church um, and 
one thing that my dad has always, always said right from the beginning when we started to grow um, numerically, he said, well, if we're becoming a big church, we need to work out how to make a big church feel small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, because he refused to not feel like family. He's like, I do not want to pastor a crowd. I want to pastor a family. And I think that's what it comes down to with church is that we need to work out how to uh, build that sense of community so that anybody who walks through the door um, has a sense of welcome, who feels like they're seen, like um, value has been placed upon their life and um, and that we're not just speaking to their Sunday, but we're, we're speaking to their Monday, that we're aware of, you know, like, not just in this bubble of, of church life, but we realize that, you know, the world, there's this huge world that exists beyond the four walls of our church and our church buildings. And so we need to speak into the people of our church who are out infiltrating the earth, who are in all the different spheres. Um, and so <laughs> I think that's, I think it's really important just to stay aware of what's going on in the world, what's, happening in business and in finance and in sports and entertainment and all these different spheres so that everybody no matter where they're at feels that sense of um of value um and we could speak speak biblical truth um into the times that we're living in um you know and I think I think young people and millennials I just have this sneaking suspicion that you know that people are going to come around full circle and they're going to realize that we can try and be innovative with how we do church and how we um, build communities and stuff. But I think at the end of the day, that face-to-face connection, nothing beats it. You know, the sense of like um, interaction and touch, you know, like even just being able to give someone a hug is so powerful um, to look in somebody's eyes and ask them, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? How was your week? You know, people crave that. Um, And to worship together, there's nothing like being in the room and being amongst one another. Um, And so, you know, I think for us, we just feel this real sense of, like, um, being faithful to what what God has um, placed in our hearts um, in how to build church. and and I feel like I feel like yeah if I feel like around the world like um, you just have to be faithful to how you feel God is leading you. But um, but to remember that people just really want to uh, belong. They want to belong to to things and to families and friendships and and community. And so um, yeah, yeah, I to- <clears throat> totally agree. Okay, Rebecca. Mm. Um, Well, my question actually has to do with uh, dating. And so um, just in recent months and conversations that I've had with um, young women, I've become quite amazed at the number of men and women in church who are active in the church, but sometimes playing with, you know, other people's feelings when it comes to dating or courtship. And so what would you say is the best advice for letting the Holy Spirit guide a woman, especially in discerning a man's intentions? 
Um, mm. You know, what should women be looking for in a godly partner and really identifying some of the things that should be prompting them away from a relationship rather than to pursue one? And so, for example, yeah. how did you know um, your husband, Peter, was the right man for you when you met him? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we were very young <laughs> and in hindsight, I think, I think, oh my gosh, I was crazy. What did I know getting married at 21? <laughs> I'm like a kid. Um, but I'm, so, I'm actually so grateful because he's just a really, he's a really good man. Mm. Um, he, and for me, I just, you know, as, as a young girl, I um, obviously, you know, were, I was attracted to guys growing up um, and, some of them were okay and some of them were just not great humans. <laughs> and, um, and when I, and they were all, you know, active in church life. And I realized as a young girl that um, just because someone may call themselves a Christian or identify as a Christian, it doesn't mean that they are a man or an, or a woman of God. Right. And so for me, what, really drew me to my husband P um was that he was just a really godly man um that he was really um active in church life that he involved himself he was serving in our church um he wasn't he wasn't you know dating a whole lot of girls in fact you know I'd never seen him with another girl before um and he um he was just a really consistent guy who was um who was always just always there he was just was always there and so um he wasn't disappearing he wasn't you know like um mm -hmm. you know i feel like something that is common um that i hear in kind of the, the court courtship kind of relationships now is that they'll be uh there and then they'll disappear for a while and then they'll come back when it seems convenient uh, to them. Um, whereas I feel like, you know, a trait of a really good, good guy and a good godly guy is that they're just consistent and, um, they're not playing with your heart or your head, um, yeah. and your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I also think that, um, that and any kind of relationship should be in the light and not in the dark. Yeah. Um, and and I think that um yeah another thing that I've I kind of have observed in in relationships is that a lot of people want to kind of date in secret yeah and I just don't think it's it's healthy um and that's why I think as as you know as the church and belonging to healthy community I feel like we can't put too much pressure and on on people when they're dating um. Because when you do that or you make fun of them in public or you kind of go, oh, what's this? Like, what's this going on with this with this person? It kind of encourages them to do things in secret as opposed to keep it in the light. Because when anything that's in the dark, it's just that's where, you know, things go down. Yeah. <laughs> that's where, you know, sin abounds. That's where the enemy, if he's going to have his way, he's going to have his way in the dark, in secret. Um, and so I just encourage people, you know what, there's no pressure, 
in your dating. It doesn't need to work out. It doesn't mean that you need to marry one another, but keep it in the light, like, like make sure the right people know about it. Um, and that you're not doing things by yourselves, um, in, in the secret because it's just, it's actually so toxic. And, um, I've seen great people who have ended up, um, in a really unhealthy relationship, um, because they didn't, they didn't do their relationship in the light, you know? And so, um, that's a, that's a huge piece of advice for me. And I think if, if you're in a relationship where the guy doesn't want to tell people, (laughs) um, that's a huge, huge red flag. And a huge red flag. If he wants to keep it secret, then I'm like, run because it's, um, that doesn't seem healthy to me. And I think, you know what? I think if you know your worth and your value as a woman, you know what you're worth and you won't give people discounts. Um, and so that's, I, I say for all girls, like dig deep into God, like know who you are as a daughter of God, because if you can find your identity there, your sense of value and worth, from being a daughter of, of God or the daughter of the King, then you'll know when you're not being treated um, as you should be. Yeah. I think that's the key thing. You have to know who you are in Jesus before you start. Yeah. People, because then you're going to be going in and out of relationships and you're wondering why it's not working. And yeah. we'll come in and tell you all kind of things. And if you don't have, mm. um, the know-how and you've never dated before and you don't kind of know how men work. I'm not, I mean, women have, we have our issues too, but um, yeah, I, I think my, I wish my mom would have prepared me better for that. Um, mm. Taught me things, said things to me more because um, my first boyfriend, he wasn't a Christian. I wasn't born again. And it was a lot of that keeping it secret. Uh, never, yeah. Uh, really taking me around other people, lots of other things. And I just accepted yeah. it. You will begin to accept it as a woman, thinking yeah. well, this is yeah. what I, the best I can get, which is a lie. Yeah. And then you're losing 20 pounds and not seeing your friends yeah. and not going to church as much. Yeah. So. No yeah. Anymore. And I think as soon as you feel like you're being, you know, isolated or that you're isolating yourself. That's another thing that you just need to, like, you know, we're not supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to, you know, be, um, you know, unified and, and amongst one another. And so, um, so yeah, I know there's so many things that unfortunately you just have to learn along the way. And that's why I, I always encourage people like actually do life with the Holy spirit. Like, Like you have to walk step by step with the Holy Spirit, because if you're being led, directed and guided by the Spirit, then you'll, he's, he's so faithful and he's our helper and he's our friend. Um, And so that's why we need to align ourselves so that, so that we will know, okay, this is not quite right. Like this is, and we have to pay attention to that and not ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, because we can silence the voice of the Holy Spirit when it's not what we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but we, I, I would just say don't ignore those, those red flags because that often is the Holy Spirit who's being 
faithful and, and loyal to us and helping us out. So that that's so true. Okay, I, I we could probably spend all day talking on this or, or having a, a a girls conference just on these <laughs> themes. But um, moving uh, right along, um, uh, you've got this really great um, initiative with the Secret Garden, and I remember at Color twenty seventeen, and especially the girl that you brought. I think she's from Australia as well and she's from Middle Eastern descent. And I just remember the line where she's like, when she came to know herself in Jesus, and she's like, I have the nose of Ruth and of, and oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the beautiful mark that God has given Middle Eastern women. So um, yeah, yeah. So you have the secret garden, which is encouraging women and the beauty that God has created them to have. How did that come about? Um, well, honestly, I was, um, on my way to Bali, <laughs> um, for a little time away with my husband for our, our seven year anniversary, I think it was. And I picked up my mom's, uh, sisterhood book because I hadn't read it. And I read it from start to finish in one sitting on one flight, um, and honestly, I wept through the whole thing because it just reminded me uh, of so much of my childhood. And, um, you know, there are so many memories that are attached to the words that she wrote in that book. But also, I just felt like this prompting, like I've, I've got this um, legacy, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and inheritance. And um, at the same time, I'm leading all these young people and really I knew within myself that I wasn't doing um, as much as I felt like I could be or should be for the girls Mm -hmm. and um, and so it was really over the process of that week that I just began to dream up what the secret garden is and I I had thought about starting a blog you know before you know but I didn't feel like it was it was right like I love fashion um but I didn't feel like I was supposed to do a fashion blog. I love music. I love all these things. I love, you know, beauty and all of those things. I love and there's nothing wrong with that. I just didn't feel like that was what I was supposed to do. Um, And then, you know, as I was thinking about uh, what the secret garden could be, I really felt like um, I wanted to put an emphasis on the things of our heart and not just what's external, but what's internal, and that um, it always begins from the inside out. You know, we have to um, tend to what's within, and we can put so much um, focus and priority on how our hair looks, and that we've got the best skincare regime, and that we are, you know, have got the best clothes, and all those sorts of things, all the things that I love, I truly love it, um, but it does not matter if you're not tending to what's within. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, when nobody else is looking, you know, when you've posted all that you can to Instagram and um, and you are just left alone and it's just you. Hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah I'm here. Oh, sorry. Um, when it's just you and you're, you're by yourself, like really like that, when you know like that what's within the heart and how your soul realm is 
and and the condition of your mind like like that's really what's most important um and so for me it was really just creating content that wasn't just going to be content for the sake of it that wasn't just going to be more content to add to the content crazed world that we're 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 living in um but it was going to be things that really compelled girls to tend to what's within and that's why I call it the secret garden because it's the perfect metaphor uh for really like watering your soul and um and and giving priority to that um and for me I'm I, I love creativity I love aesthetics and so for me I was like okay well it has to look beautiful and it has to be really cool because I want to I want to capture the attention of girls I want to I want I want them to 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 first you know, get a glance catch a glimpse of something that looks great but really just to you know to tap it to click in and only be a couple of clicks away to realize that there's so much more depth to this so yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Rebecca? Um, so my question is also about the secret garden. And um, to me, the secret garden is breaking ground for women in ministry to lead the way for healthy, whole, judgment-free conversations. Um, mm. What would you say is the common denominator or the common thread that women struggle with the most that prevent them from opening up with other women. And for, for women in ministry currently who are leaders or upcoming leaders and wish to build something similar in nature whereby it's a safely guarded community for women, um, mm. what what principles or tools would you recommend for them firstly to build it on solid whole foundation? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, there were some key words that you used there. I think creating a safe place mm -hmm. for women to be vulnerable. Um, I think vulnerability is something that is, it's so, it's beautiful and it's very tender and, and it it creates a way for women, other women, to feel like um, they are understood and that they're not alone. And so, when you create a safe place where women can come and they can actually, you know, let their guard down and speak uh, into some of the things that are having challenges to them, um, then it it's really powerful. And especially if it if for me, you know, I've always um, been really intentional to make sure that um, it comes from a place of um, even if we're still going through it, we haven't won the battle yet, but we are still overcoming and overcomers. Um, so it's not this like, you know, we're all broken people. Yes, we are all broken people, but but also we're overcomers. Um, and so uh, that's been really important. But in terms of like common common themes, I think um, I think a sense of like um, just that that kind of like sense of uh, value and esteem and um, and uh, image um, has been uh, it's been really common and. Um, 
and being, uh, I guess, uh, encouraged and accepted by others. Um, you know, it's all those, I guess, those things that we can all identify with, um, no matter what. And so you mentioned, um, you mentioned Hoover before, um, and, you know, she's from Pakistan and came to Australia when she was barely a teenager and, you know, didn't know English and she looks different to the other girls. And so for her, you know, she, she felt she was, she was bullied and, um, and, you know, it's the same thing for, you know, the Australian girl who is so beautiful, but she didn't believe it. She didn't know it and struggled with eating disorders. You know, it's like, uh, there's this, this kind of common theme of like, just, uh, I guess understanding your value and your worth and and for me that's the sisterhood message that you know I've grown up in and that my mum you know has been really really faithful to that God whisper where it says you know um, tell them that you know heaven believes in them Um, because I think really girls everywhere they want to be believed in yeah yeah for sure. Wow. That's, it's amazing that God put that on your heart and then you, mm-hmm. you made it into something and it's obedience. And then the, the, that whole arena in London was blessed by it. And then I still remember mm. that line. And then it made me think being African-American, uh, we have maybe wider noses or larger lips, but maybe that's mm. the lips of the Queen of Sheba. And Rebecca, who's beautiful, yeah, you know, she's got features of, you know, a a Roman woman, maybe the the wife of, um, although he was quite arrogant. uh, (laughs) You remember uh, when Jesus was on trial and what was his name? Pilate. But yeah, Jesus had to go before Pilate and the woman who had a very strong spiritual, you know, don't crucify Jesus. um, But, you know, she's a Roman woman and you know maybe Rebecca has the features of her and um, mm. you know we have to learn and that goes powerful your identity and in, in Jesus and um come on yeah that's it the Chinese Asian women changing their eye shapes I'm like no that's God is giving you yeah, the wow. feature and um Arab women yeah. in the Middle East you just see them walking around with the white strip over their nose because they want everyone to see they had the rhinoplasty so um yeah (laughs) okay so the last two quick questions and i really want to get um this one in uh do you know julie galanti at hillsong london she's really yeah an awesome i remember she said in a bible study one time that the soil that that hillsong is planted in is healthy it is good and i do believe that in my heart and i've ran across so many people who can be uh, critical of hillsong but i think that people don't understand the anointing that god has great mm. church and the houston family and it could be so easy for people to to criticize and to say that hillsong is this or that or whatever you know everything that's been said um, my question yeah. is, is how do you handle the stress and criticisms? And I think, you know, a lot of people just don't understand the mantle that's on the Houston family. Like, 
what is it that we don't understand and how do you respond to everything that your family has received? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I feel like in, in, I don't know, I feel like God kind of maybe protected me um, growing up from a lot of the criticism that we used to get, especially from the media. Uh, when I was in high school, that's when it was the media were really unfair to our family and to our church. And uh, it was, uh, it was really bad. Um, but I think I had this, I never felt this sense of like angst or anxiety about it. And I really do feel like that, that God was really kind and that he protected me from it. Mm-hmm. And I even remember, um, I turned up to school one day and there was, um, all these signs that someone had put posted on the hallway that that these huge signs saying Hillsong where does your money go like and I just and in hindsight I think back I'm like that's a really traumatizing thing for a young girl uh, to to go through but at the time I, I actually was not rocked by it at all and I think wow God you so graced me growing up um I think if that happened now I think I would be really shook but um (laughs) but I think for me I from a really early age I just chose that chose to not engage in a lot of it um you know if there were things you know if there were um articles written about church about our family I wouldn't read them um if there were forums, I would stay away online because they, they're they just pure evil. Um, I think, um, you know, if arguments broke out or debates broke out at school, I would, you know, defend the minimal amount before graciously excusing myself because I wasn't really looking for attention. Um, I wasn't really interested in it. And, and for me, I feel like for our family, we just get on doing what we feel like God has called to do us to do, and I think that's part of of perhaps why we've been able to, to like to sustain and to move forward is because we just we're not going to let the voices of some, um, you know, and the the opinions and the misunderstandings of of others um, get underneath our skin we're just going to get on with what God's called us to do and when you have that sense of strong sense of vision the strong sense of purpose and like God has like actually he's called us to to be part of the solution on the earth right now to build the church um then you don't really have time (laughs) to be bothered by by the voices of others and so um so I think that's part of it I think that um you know, I think that there's this there's uh, this side of like God's grace that's just really just been upon us to uh, to you know not be completely ignorant to it, but just to not be phased by it. And then there's this other side of us that is we're just so driven by what God's called us to do that we just keep on pressing on. And um and for the most part, for every negative voice that there is out there, for every person who criticizes or has some sort of opinion there are so many more people who truly are just kind people they may not even attend our church they may not even be followers of Jesus but they um, see that 
you know, we're good people and that the people of our church are good people. They're everyday people who are just doing life the best that they can and trying to serve God. And, um, and they can appreciate and respect that. And we feel that, you know, on the streets and in restaurants or so on, we meet people every day. And, you know, my dad says that, that often he'll get people who say to them, you know, I don't believe in what you believe, but I really like what you say. And I just think that's, that, that's cool. Like that <laughs> they can even be encouraged by his sermons um, and so on, even if they're not fully aligned with Jesus at this point. So, yeah. um, yeah. Shining a light and planting a seed and changing this idea of what Christian mm. Christians are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's awesome. Okay, so this this is the last question. It's a fun question, a quick question. And my mom said, if you get the chance to ask her, I'd love to know, um, besides your mom, what woman from the Bible would you choose to be your mentor and why? Oh, <laughs> wow. That's a really good question. Um. Do you know, I really love, um, I really have always loved Mary, um, mm -hmm. who sat at the feet of Jesus, um, because I feel like, for me, if there's one thing that I feel like is my, you know how like David had his one thing, he says in Psalm 27, one thing I desire is the Lord, this is what I seek, mm -hmm. that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, like that was his one thing. I've yeah. often asked myself, okay, what's my one thing? And I feel like my one thing is to abide in Jesus. It's just to stay in his presence. And what I love about Mary is that, um, is that she chose to sat at the feet of, sit at the feet of Jesus. Um, and when Martha kind of like, you know, was like caused a little bit of a, like, you know, what about me? Like, here I am in the kitchen, like preparing for you and doing things for you. Jesus said, um, you know, well, Mary has chosen what is better, and that is to just sit at, sit at my feet. And so I think that's what I want my life to be, is just to, for my, for my posture to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and to be just being in his presence, not just doing things for him and getting busy doing things for him, but actually just being a daughter of, 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 daughter of the king and being in his presence. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. It really is mm. a good reminder for us all, yeah, just to sit and take in. Yeah, that's it. It is. Amen. Oh, Laura, <laughs> thank you so very much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me, of course. Yeah, it's a privilege. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, God bless. Bless you. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Mag at zaylamag.com, S-E-E-L-E-M-A-G.com, where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways. And follow us on Instagram at Zayla Magazine, S-E-E-L-E -E Magazine. Till next time.